Hello, good evening, and welcome to The Game is About Glory. I'm your host, Steph, and joining me tonight are Ram and Milo. Hello, gentlemen. Hi, Steph. Good evening. Uh, hello, chaps. Uh, well, as the summer ticks along and global warming waves its fiery fists at the world, there remains a hubbub of excitement and speculation around Tottenham Hotspur Football Club as Paratici and co. open up their proverbial legs and start galloping into the most enjoyable part of Fabio's season, summer activities. Oh, old Fabio's been busy, hasn't he? And with that comes floods of exciting rumours, which we will be looking at this week and every week for the rest of the summer. We will also be looking back at the week that was. There's plenty of weeks uh, being analysed here in all sorts of ways. And also on this week's episode, it's the word of the moment, week, <laughs> as in E-E-K, it is time to have a deep dive look at one of the most important players currently at Spurs, Pierre-Emile Hoybier. Milo Ram and myself will bring you through his career to date and discuss various aspects of the dynamic Dane's career. But given that we now, as we have established, have a summer off from incredibly invasive questions about our personal uh, likes and dislikes, we're just going to go straight to the week that was, aren't we, chaps? <laughs> that sounds like a good place to start. Yeah. On Thursday, the Premier League fixtures for the upcoming season were announced, and Gareth has been beside himself with glee that we are starting the season with our first home Saturday 3pm kickoff or even kickoff since December 2019. I said kickoff. It's unbelievable. Let me start that again. <laughs> Gareth has been. Is there something you want to tell us, Steph? You, have you got yourself all comfortable there before we started yeah. recording? <laughs> I, I, I hope you don't get up and start dancing at any time. Yeah, I'm, not, no. I'm not ready for that. In the... <laughs> no, no, that would be. That's no good. Gareth has been beside himself with glee that we are starting this season with our first home Saturday oh, 3 p.m. Steph, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not cutting your keck off. That's well, don't cut the keck off although it has had its use i've got two kids and you can get away with it on this father's day so you can, it's fine if you if you want to cut me keck off that's fine. no no your keck okay. off is staying in well the keck off uh, the keck off stays in and we have our first home saturday 3 p.m kickoff since december 2019 it's against southampton and next up is chelsea away already left you with so much editing in this first two minutes you're going to be hating it's all staying in Steph this is good stuff (laughs) all right well it's all staying in so what we'll say is that the North London derbies are in October and January unless anyone sneezes in the colony of course and we finish our league campaign away to Leeds on May 28th chaps what is the first fixture that you look for when the fixtures are announced and are there any months in particular that look tough to you i always go for, i always check for the north london derby first home and away both always first i check to see where in the season we're playing uh, against them and then i put it in my diary make sure i don't plan anything else that day um and then after that possibly chelsea and fixture wise month wise i think february is probably the month that stands out because we've got city leicester west ham and chelsea um however the only away game that month is Leicester so it could be a crucial month for us uh you know kind of the teams around us April is tough six fixtures um including Liverpool Everton and Newcastle away with United Brighton and Bournemouth at home but we've got a kind end of season fixture sort of in May so um on paper anyway uh so I think if we can get get through those two months Mm. with uh you know with with good results I think we'll, we'll we'll have a very strong finish to the season so the April fixture list is even worse if we get through in the Champions League because we'd have another oh, couple yeah. of games to add into that as well. So it'd be eight games. Wow. When we get through. Of course, yeah. Um, first game I look for, say, the ones you look for, Ram, first and last game, and the game nearest my birthday. But the fucking World Cup's getting in the way of the games <laughs> near my birthday this year, so they've ruined that. Uh, <laughs> um, 
Oh, I mean, it, it, you look at this fixture list and there's just this kind of black hole in the middle of it, isn't there? Where like November, December is like really, really good, a really good part of the season. Yeah. And there's just a hole there, isn't there? Um, and you know, and then you kind of look at the fixture list and how many games there are kind of either side of it. You know, you touched on April, but October, we've got nine fixtures in October. Yeah. You, you um, put up a, a table in our thread, a, a, mm, which right. absurdly showed that the, yeah. the shit, we'll, we'll get into this a little later. Let's touch on the amount of football a little later because there is a point to be made. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the other thing that occurred to me when looking at it is that by the time the World Cup kicks off, we would have played all of our toughest away games apart from Liverpool away. So actually, you know, when you look at the, you know, where we're placed by the time that comes around, by, you know, kind of mid-November, I, I think we're really well placed to have a really good run in again. So, you know, a bit, it was a bit like the season just gone, wasn't it, where we had a lot of the away games early on and then we had quite a nice run in. It feels very similar to me this time around. And there's quite a few of these early games in, you know, we look at you know, Chelsea's second game up. I mean, Chelsea are all over the place at the moment. You've got no idea what they're going to be like. And, you know, there's a lot of defenders leaving and all the rest of it. So that could be really beneficial to us. You know, City quite early as well. Uh, you know, there's big changes there. Yeah, well, that's an easy three points every season. So I wouldn't worry <laughs> yeah, about that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Mess. Come on. Let's talk about clubs that we have trouble Lads, with. It's City. <laughs> It, it's just a shame that it wasn't Arsenal at home on the first day of the season because um, oh. Arteta hasn't stopped crying after <laughs> after our last game yet, has he? But yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy. I'm pretty happy. You know, I mean, we play everyone twice. Blah 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 blah. But yeah, it's a nice easy run in. Um, I'm happy to start with Southampton at home. It's it's all right. I yeah. Look, I mean, first of all, when the fixtures come out, we look for the same fixtures. I would throw West Ham in there as the second one. I always look for. I always look to see when we're playing them. I'll leave it there. To check they're still in the Premier League. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. He dreams. Anyway, um, back to reality. Yeah, no, maybe maybe it will be reality soon. But I don't get so hung up on the place of the fixtures here and there. I think that, you know, I think with this manager, if we need to win games, we'll win games. But I will say this. I think you're all being pretty blasé about uh, April into May. Newcastle home. Uh, Man United home, Liverpool away, Crystal Palace home. It's it's not an easy run. The, the the advantage is that you've only got one away game in those, but I don't think you can mug any of those teams off in that run, especially with the games that will be around them as we storm through Europe and show everyone uh, that we're going to go one step further than we did in June 2019. So, I, I you know, I, I don't see it as being quite as easy. Um, but again, this is why the transfer business we're talking about is very important. When I was talking about easy running, I meant Palace, Villa... Brentford leads our last four fixtures that's that's May you, that you can't get much better than that Palace is never an easy game to me and Leeds away is a wild card so I I, I hear you but you know I, nonetheless I anyway I mean the point being I think that you know it's a kind fixture list you're right nobody wants to end at Anfield or something like that you don't want that to happen you don't want to end somewhere that the title could end up and uh, Leeds are probably going to be looking at their final game of the season and thinking wow we might have a say in where the title ends up because you know, you never know. We might be going there. We're winning the title at home to Brentford the game before. Okay. And <laughs> okay. And, and then we finish the season for the second season on the trot with a relegated, uh, away to a relegated team. And there we are. The game is about glory has just told you what's going to happen in 2022-23. So mark your scorecards. <laughs> Milo's got quite a good record with his predictions as well. So I'm not going to poo-poo that in the slightest. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. There'll be no poo-pooing of any optimism on this show, so I agree with you. On that basis alone, on the basis that he is actually not only being optimistic, but uncharacteristically forthright with a very, very hard prediction there, Rem. Mm. I, th- I, don't think, uh, I don't think this is necessarily in Milo's wheelhouse, is it, to be that firm with his prediction? So, yes, there we are. That's the fixtures uh, that, That's the fixtures covered in the week that was, and you've just, how, you've just heard Milo tell you how the season is going to be. Please mark his scorecard. Right. <laughs> i'll give you more details in a couple of weeks in a few weeks time when we do the uh do the season preview oh yes i'm looking forward to that mystic milo <laughs> i think we've got a shout well we do have a shout of the title there's absolutely no doubt in my mind oh, and, yeah, when we, yeah. and when we get to that uh, the, the season preview episode which you've been hinting at there uh i, I think we can without hubris actually mm. quite confidently get into that in some detail but i agree mm. with you we have more than a shout mm. although if you listen to or you read arsenal twitter they're convinced that we're signing old has-beens and they're building for the future so i <laughs> <laughs> well, number one why do you spend so much time on twitter number two why do you read their twitter that kind of say, funny <laughs> good lord man i mean you know, I, I, aftv aftv i understand but i mean that's gotta be this is a sign everyone of the desperation of of close season football so it's either that or your whatsapp messages steph and you know <laughs> <laughs> oh dear oh dear it's it's devolving already come on all right but no uh serious are they but uh, well now i'm gonna actually be sneaky and say are they really are they really trying for historical revisionism here? Yeah, yeah. There's a handful of kind of. Well, I'm not sure whether they're kind of boosterish or trolling. I think I think there are a load of Arsenal accounts that that post shit because they know that Spurs fans will respond Fine. and it gives you, them exposure. Do you genuinely think they're that they're that ahead of the humour curve that they are intentionally spamming us? Well, there's 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 money to be made on that. If you get retweeted loads of times and you're an, you're an account with. Um, pay promo then yeah absolutely it's it's, it's in your that, financial that, interest to do so, that so so that ladies and gentlemen should tell you more than anything why it is just absolutely uh, sacrilegious to to be an arsenal supporter you would put financial gain ahead of your own club's respect but that's what arsenal fan tv's business model is isn't it yeah it's not watched by <laughs> arsenal fans it's watched by everyone else after they've lost to laugh at them and then yeah. they've got a bunch of clowns on there acting up and like playing characters in order to feed that it's you know it's on that note actually which you've quite rightly said i I, a message actually to robbie and all the aftv guys you've got up your game the current lot they're really just not up to it mate so come on like when you're going to capitulate at the lane like you did and bring that capitulation up to the northeast and and you know spin your wheels and tell everyone it was a master plan that you were always going to hold on for el football anyway you've got to have better better people to project that message because it's just not entertaining enough they've got plenty of time to do it though because yeah. they've got at least this season because all or nothing's coming up oh They'll my god i completely forgot it. how can i forget about that oh my word well this should be added into our fixture list second of august it's, second of august it starts is it second of august and oh, i'm brilliant. really really looking I'm really looking forward to finding out how they managed to stretch 45 minutes against Man City um, into a whole series. <laughs> you mean the you mean you mean the brave defeat to Man City that one? Yeah, the yeah. noble um, defeat. I mean, they were, from my understanding, I, I missed the game unfortunately, but from my understanding, they were prime Barca level quality there. They were, <laughs> yeah. You know, 
Uh, yeah, PK C Milan when they <laughs> when they went unbeaten in Europe for three years. That, that's yes, that that was the kind of quality for that forty five minutes. And then you're, I think, you're I think, right. it, I think compar- it was a bent ref that did them, which is just the story of the season. It's um, only not not just a bent ref. I think the linos were involved in that one as well. I think it was a general travesty. officiating conspiracy. I think it would be the the order. And yeah, no, you're right. Prime yeah. Barca were, were 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 denied that day against Man City, and it was a gallant loss, as I understand it. But, you know, here we go on the fly, chaps. I think we need to make a commitment. Two minutes of every episode from August 2nd dedicated to a quick review of that week's. Uh, in. <laughs> that week's I'm Arsenal. so in for that. I'm so, so in for in. that. Just just two, two weeks. To, just, just to remind people that, you know, <laughs> revisionism in history is a bad thing. I, I was half thinking that we could do episode by episode run throughs during the World Cup. We've got two months to kill there. <laughs> and- Watch along. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, we could we can start with a brief two minute review per episode, and then if there is actually, uh, we, maybe we can put it to vote. Maybe we can have one watch along episode. Vote for your favourite all or nothing Arsenal <laughs> episode, and we'll watch along during the World Cup with you. Oh, that would be great. What a time you know? to be a Spurs fan. I mean, it's not even July, and we've signed three players, and the shithousery has already gone into overdrive again. Well, it's over 3,000 days since they were ahead of, since they finished ahead of us in the league. Wow. I think someone put that statistic up uh, recently. Anyway, anyway, let's, yes, this has definitely taken a jag, but gentlemen, (laughs) it's summer. It's the week that was, the season that was. I think it's a positive jag. I think it's, I think it's important. Uh, So uh, thank you for, thank you for bringing it there. (laughs) Okay. All right. Onwards with, uh, onwards with other stuff. Eve Basuma signed a four-year contract on Friday, 25 million fee, rumoured to be rising to, well, some some accounts are saying around 40 million. Um, so from Brighton, there's li- there can be little doubt that Basuma has been one of the best midfielders in the Premier League over the last couple of seasons. However, the transfer does come with controversy. Basuma was arrested on suspicion of sexual assault, along with another man, in October 2021. Last week, West Sussex Police released the following statement. A man in his 40s from Brighton who was arrested on suspicion of sexual assault has had his uh, conditional bail extended until June the 24th, 2022. A man in his 20s, also from Brighton, who was arrested on suspicion of sexual assault, has been released under investigation whilst inquiries continue. No further information will be available at this time. Under English law, we are limited in what we can say about the entire situation because there's a risk of prejudicing at any trial. So, you know, I think in terms of that, we're going to have to leave it there. But, gents... How do you feel about this signing? Oh, Ram, you kick off. Go on, Ram. I think you asked me how I feel. I'll I'll tell you how I want to feel. I want to feel as optimistic as I've ever been over any signing in our recent history. I think you could fill a very Dembele-shaped hole in our midfield that has been missing since Dembele was sold. I can't bring myself to be fully invested until the outcome of the investigation is complete. I want to believe that the club has done its due diligence um you know before making the signing and that that's obviously all personal opinion Steph yeah I think you've pretty much uh, echoed my position there with regards to the situation Ram there's no doubt that you know I I want to believe that you know due diligence has been done and uh, as you said it's 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 the, a personal opinion uh, as for the signing itself again I think it's what it says on the tin you know he was entering the last 12 months of his contract which I believe is why his fee was considerably lower mm. than it would have been. You know, we've stolen in ahead of uh, several other clubs to get this signature. Um, he is a player that we need. And uh, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see where he fits in. But, you know, when we get into the schedule later, I think it's going to be very clear that all 
of our central midfield mm. uh, quartet at this point, and it may become a quintet because we're not going to. Well, you never know. We may end up signing a fifth midfielder. It's, it, it is. It's it's wholly possible. And and on the cards, he's going to get games, and it's going to be very important to have that quality consistency throughout the squad. So he brings great quality to the squad there is no doubt there'll be no drop off in rotation with Eve Basuma and uh, indeed it'll be interesting to see if he can force his way into the first 11. So as you know I've spent a bit of time kind of self-searching and uh, reflecting on this deal this week you know and just in pure football terms you know he's an excellent signing you know he's been one of the best midfielders in the Premier League over the last couple of seasons and gives us you know genuine competition in central midfield and you know as you said Steph in the World Cup year that's you know, really vital. One thing I did think actually was that, you know, he could have a similar impact to us that Kante had when he went to Chelsea. And mm. that was a signing that um, Conte made in his first season when he was Chelsea manager. I can see quite a lot of kind of similarities between them as players. But I can't help feeling uneasy about the transfer and I'm disappointed in the club for having done it. Kind of being a fan isn't just about football and this doesn't sit right with me. Um you know, I don't want to talk about the specifics of the case because you know we don't know any detail, and I've seen a lot of people speculating about it online. I think that's wrong, and you know, really, my issue with it isn't really around the specifics of the case. It's it's one of principle that I don't think we ought to be signing someone who's under investigation for a crime of this matter. And I'd feel the same if it was a um, if it's a player who was you know been arrested for a, a, on suspicion of a, a you know a racist offence or you know a violent offence as well. I think the club has put some fans in a really awkward position. You know, he's a great, it's a great signing football wise, but I just feel awkward about it. I think I'd, I'd like to just finish off by quoting actually one of our um, contributors, uh, Simon, who's uh, Spurs International on Twitter, who I think probably said the, the, the best thing of all with regards to this element of the Eve Basuma signing, which is it's okay to, to not know and to not have an opinion because we don't have all the facts. It's okay. It is, a, it, that's this side of it is a complex situation. Um, but I think, you know, somewhere in there, I think you've all seen uh, or you've all heard that this is far from straightforward, but that, you know, purely as a footballing signing and, you know, we are a football pod, so we should discuss that football side. He is going to be a very, very strong addition to this squad. This week, we have signed Irish under 19 keeper Josh Keeley from St. Patrick's Athletic. This is presumably to replace one of the four academy keepers that were released at the end of the season. Uh, Josh had trials with a number of Premier League clubs before deciding to join us. So um, this, you know, this seems like a very, very positive signing. And again, as we've discussed before, we have an excellent goalkeeping coach. We have uh, obviously a World Cup winning skipper is our goalkeeper. So good for Josh. Good for us, it seems. So more of Paratici's backroom team were announced this week. I've, to, I've stuffed myself up, Steph, with a difficult um, pronunciation. Greta <laughs> uh, uh, Steinson will be coming in as performance director uh, with Andy Scalding, who we discussed last week, as his number two. Well Steinson pronounced on Scalding, actually. I know that was the one that you were worried about, so well done. <laughs> Steinson is a former Iceland international who represented Bolton during his playing career and was head of recruitment and development for three years at Everton, uh, having been technical director at Fleetwood Town uh, for four years before that. Another person who's meant to be close to joining is Simon Davis. That's not the super Simon Davis who played for us. Um, he was part of the Manchester United youth team that included Beckham and Neville and the others that won. Did they use the youth cup? They won. I think it was youth FA cup. They won, uh, before they broke through. He was head of academy coaching at Man City, uh, before joining Vincent Company at Anderlecht. Uh, Davis is thought to be taking up a role of head of methodology, which is uh, helping to bring uh, closer links between the first team and the academy team. Yeah, very good indeed. Yeah, Harry, 
Harry Kane has been giving a few interviews in the last week or so. He gave one to The Guardian and he gave one to The Times actually just earlier today as well, which has come out. Um, you know, he's becoming quite the uh, social butterfly. I mean, spokesman for England, obviously, with the World Cup coming. But I think he said something during these interviews, which, you know, being Harry, they're quite mild. There's no real, you know, controversy. But, you know, he spoke for the to The Guardian before the second Nations League match against Hungary last week. And it was his 62nd game of the season. He flies out to South Korea on July 9th to take part in a pre-season tour, which he's prepped for the August 6th first match of the season, which we've just talked about. That's going to take us through to mid-November with all those Champions League games as well in the middle, whilst the likes of Kane will go to Qatar for the first ever Winter World Cup. And so Kane was said in the interview somewhere that he's basically will get three weeks off. That's if you do not include his golf tournament trip to New Jersey on June 30th. Uh, so, chaps, I just wanted to throw this open because I just think it's incongruous to think that Kane and, and, and Sonny and, and actually the subject of our, our pod later, uh, Pierre, yeah, these players, how can they keep up this pace without injuries taking their toll? And I, I've got to ask, when do you think the PFA, the Premier League, UEFA and FIFA are going to finally understand that, you know, these inhumane punishing schedules, they're going to ruin the very ingredients of, of, of what allows their, their their systems to function. Do you think there's going to be a breaking point? How 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 can he last? How can Harry Kane last? So the, the breaking point will be Kane's hamstring. <laughs> yeah. 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 I... I... <laughs> I think I I think for you know these uh, governing bodies to actually do something about it, you'd have to have wholesale um, injuries to the world's elite players in every division, you know, in every country for them to and for them to lose revenue, for them to actually sit up and take notice of how many fixtures you know clubs are playing and players that sorry uh, players are um, playing in the season. Uh, other than that, I don't think that anything will be done. I think this is this is it. It's shocking. I mean, the union has to step up. Um, PFA doesn't have any weight internationally, does it? Um, I mean, my major issues mm. with Qatar are mainly around human rights rather than the fixture list, although obviously it has fucked the fixture list. I mean, I think, you know, as you were touching on earlier on, Steph, it really does kind of re reinforce the need to uh, develop a strong squad and one that we can rotate. And, you know, having someone in the squad who can adequately cover Kane, you know, again, we were talking about the fixture list um just just earlier on and i oh, sorry where are we october so the month before nine fixtures mm. um i mean interestingly yeah. you know november we've got a liverpool and leeds there was talk of uh avoiding what they were calling kind of highly competitive games in the in the run-up to the world cup so maybe they get moved because the fa doesn't want kane playing against you know flat out against liverpool um That's, a few weeks uh, before is that, the world is cup, that actually a thing that's what they asked for, yeah. yeah what an insult. Asked. So are you suggesting that someone is saying, well, let's let's switch Liverpool with Brentford? <laughs> so my prediction about uh, playing <laughs> the relegated side Leeds on the last day of the season will yeah. be uh, yeah. we'll play them twice home and away. But this is a fascinating jag, and we've had a couple of them on, on the show tonight, but this is well mm. worth investigating. So someone somewhere is suggesting that players play slightly less. Though that's completely against everything Antonio Conte stands for. I mean, what a joke statement. I think the suggestion was that the, the top was it the top four wouldn't play against each other in, you know, in the in the weeks running up to the World Cup. I think that was I think that was it. But don't quote me. So we'll, we'll just get kicked by the team by mid table. Absolutely. And no this, no if, if someone, if a governing body has suggested that, that shows me how out of touch they are yeah. with modern football. What, what a an pathetic insult! Suggestion. What an insult! 
actually those top teams are less likely to kick the shit out of each other than than it's see thank god bernie got relegated otherwise they would have made them have october <laughs> and november off it's unbelievable <laughs> it's so it's like a michael palin suggestion it's like a ripping yard but suggestion if, if i was like, if i was the, the manager of say you know like a, a bournemouth or something or nottingham forest have just come up and I, the team talk against spurs or liverpool <laughs> in, in one of those games would just be like by the way we're considered a lesser team yeah. why don't we show them what you know a lesser team can do <laughs> i mean the suggestion that uh, anyway that anyway that's a whole other i think we've yeah. jagged off enough on that that is an outrageous and i'd love to can i give you some more good news steph yeah go on mate. I, yeah. I, I heard earlier on today <laughs> that uefa are going to have a new tournament for pre-season oh, um, next oh. year with there's no, the, with there's no room with the winners of the champions league and three other clubs, I think, by invitation to be played in the states as a as a seasoned cop- uh, curtain raiser. Oh my god! Wow! I just—it's just <laughs> shocking. This is this is like absolute money grabbing uh, thievery, if you will, in broad daylight. They are getting away with it week after week, <laughs> month after month, year after year. You know, FIFA and UEFA, UEFA particularly, cannot officiate or set up a tournament properly without some sort of fucking disaster happening it appears or mismanagement yeah uh that's my opinion incidentally uh only my opinion and it cannot be proven yet by a court of law so so infantino you can go fuck yourself if you think that's a libelous <laughs> statement it's uh, i think it's true but i was gonna say all things considered at least they're not holding it in north korea or something you know <laughs> yeah well, if, if, yeah, yet, quite. I mean, but seriously, I mean, there is a bigger point here. Who is going to hold these these bodies to, to count? I will close this segment by saying perhaps there is some light at the end of the tunnel. In and amongst the Harry Kane, the two Harry Kane interviews I read, there have been discussions about what is going to happen with regards to the World Cup teams in Qatar. Um, and Harry did say he's actually been in discussion with Hugo Lloris and with and, and with Christian Eriksen. Christian Eriksen actually contacted him, and the three of them have been discussing how you know the players and the and the countries going to Qatar can maybe make a more united front, like conceive a gesture or an action that is a united front to call uh, attention to the disgrace that uh, is the Qatar World Cup that will actually compromise all of us. We are all going to be compromised. Uh, by this it doesn't change the fact though that there's official uh fifa hotels for the world cup where gay partners can't stay in yeah ridiculous which which of course Mm. i think is all part Mm. it's i think this is all part of it and i think the other another part of it is that i believe that there's uh, i've forgotten who is asking for this and forgive me for my lack of gay couples sorry gay partners Mm. uh factual factual accuracy here but I know that somebody has suggested that uh, that four hundred million um, dollars from the takings, uh, which is you know, let's face it, probably Infantino's bonus for last Saturday, uh, will go can be redistributed back to the workforce that actually literally uh, broke their backs and died to bring this World Cup to to the world in in the, in, in you know in this November. Um, I mean, talk about talk about an uncomfortable uh, situation. We're all, I think, we're all in agreement that is going to be a real challenge to our levels of hypocrisy. I mean, bluntly mm. speaking, I should not, I should refuse to watch it. I cannot, yeah. I cannot be honest enough to tell you that I will. I, I, I hope yeah. I'm strong enough, but I, I cannot, I cannot promise I will. Uh, so I don't know, but anyway, ha- it's anyway that was that was Harry Kane's media week. I mean, again, just to to pop boil down what we've been breaking up here or breaking down, he spotlit how little rest he's getting. 
which if you add up the amount of football he's played is absurd. And I think it was interesting as a side conversation that he and Hugo and, and Christian have been talking about how there might be a unified national international gesture at the Qatar World Cup in 2022. So um, again, an interesting side drag, that conversation. So uh, Alfie Devine and Dane Scarlett have been named in the England under-19 squad for this summer's European Championships in Slovakia. England are in a group with Austria, Serbia and Israel and got underway tonight, that's Sunday night when we're recording, with a 2-0 win over Austria. Uh, both Dane and Alfie started for England, with Scarlett getting an assist for the, uh, England's opening goal and Alfie Devine scored the second with a wonderful strike from just inside the area. Did either of you guys watch the game? I did not, no. 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 Did you? I did. I'll ask myself a question. Milo, yes. what did you think of the game? <laughs> <laughs> so, Milo, to avoid you having to go third person on yourself, what did you think of the game? <laughs> yeah, it was all right. I think both our boys did really well. Um, one thing things to say, Devine is the youngest player in the squad and you know, started uh, in a kind of inside right position. So three-man midfield, played really well, really intelligent. His goal is an absolute peach. Um, it's well worth checking out. I shared it in our chat earlier on, so I have a look at that. Scarlett, um, yeah, played really well. It was a really nice lay, you know, cut back for, for the goal. Uh, Scarlett came off on 70 minutes. Devine came off on 80. And just the other thing to say, England plays Serbia on Wednesday night. Um, and then their final group game is next Saturday evening against Israel. Uh, they're both 7pm kickoffs. And if you're in the UK, they're on the BBC. Uh, I play a red button. Well, Divine keeps on adding to his, uh, his glowing reputation, doesn't he? I mean, it's, you've got to yeah. wonder. He's, they must be looking for a good loan for him this, this summer. They must be. I hope he, I hope he gets a championship or league one loan next, next season. He's, you know, he's, he's good enough. And, um, I think the most important thing is you want him playing, you know, all the way, you want him playing a lot of games. He, need, he needs to be getting first team football now because it, he, he's a, a really good player. It's an interesting question you ask between championship and, 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 uh, and uh, league one, because of course, you know, the, the thought with Troy Parrott was to bring him up through league one and then give him a championship yeah. loan this season. And he's, he's done very, very well. And I wonder if they'll take the same approach with divine or do, is divine, you know, such a good player that he can immediately bump up a level from the off. I, I think he's good enough for championship, but yeah. I'd rather he played 30 odd games in league one than 10 in the championship. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think I think matches is probably more important. But if you watch him play um, for the academy, or you know, you watch him play anywhere, he's uh, you know constantly talking. He's you know, whilst he's one of the younger ones in the you know under twenty three, he's one of the younger players in the in the group. But he's the one who's who's talking everyone through it. He's the one pointing where he wants the ball to go and you know what have you. Which again is something you see Great. quite a lot with the kind of the Conte teams, the Conte players is you know, you know dictating yeah. that and obviously he's been, you know he's been on the bench quite a lot towards the end of this season been training with the first team so you know he's got some good experience for his age and we we do need to give uh, Jose Mourinho his credit here he mm-hmm. he gave divine uh, uh, that that cup match debut and and he was very yeah. complimentary about Mourinho. him and you have to you have to feel that Jose Mourinho has had a very very big Stat impact padding. on his career What's Stat that? padding. Stat padding. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all jokes aside, you know, and believe you me, I don't like necessarily giving him credit, but you'd have to give him credit there. Actually, for those of you who keep score on the game is about glories, um, various opinions on past managers. Uh, if you if you can if you brace yourself, you'll hear Jose Mourinho get a second bit of praise from me later in the show. So do stick around because uh, <laughs> lightning can strike twice. <laughs> 
you're going to congratulate him for leaving and joining Roma? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It's, 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 it's genuine. No sarcasm, actually. It's, uh, it's, it's as close as you'll get from me to a Jose appreciation pod. So. <laughs> oh, the summer lunacy. Good Lord. I don't know. Obviously, Divine needs to be loaned out, but I think Scarlett does as well. Scarlett is, you know, is good yes. enough. And again, I think it's I probably agree. similar level. Um, yes. And again, games is probably more important than than league. You know, we, we need to loan him somewhere where he's going to get plenty of games. And briefly, yeah. you mentioned Parrot. There were yes. photos that I say shared with you where he's, I think he's in, he's in Mykonos, um, a, a yeah. training camp there. He's looking pumped. He's he's doing what Delhi did last summer, where he's spending his summer uh, doing fitness training. And it's really nice to see the change in that's happened to him. It, like, it really seems to have clicked with him like, this last year. He obviously had that great loan spell at MK Dons and played really well, particularly towards the end of the season. I hope he gets some minutes in um, in preseason. And it's going to yeah. be interesting. It's, it's going to be interesting to see, I think, with uh, Parrot whether we loan him straight out again or whether he's the third striker um, up until January, the transfer window. Then, then we look to loan him out for the second half of the season because I think. You know, we're saying about all those fixtures, all those games we've got. If we sign an understudy to Kane, having Parrot around and Kane can get the night off for the, you know, uh, for the League Cup and stuff like that, and Parrot's on the bench and Kane's understudy is starting, that wouldn't, that would be a really good, good option to have, I think. And so, yeah, maybe, maybe there's a place for him to stay around until January and train with the first team and, and, um, you know, do kind of fill that role that Scarlett was playing last, last year. Yeah. Good point. I mean, this all plays into the, the, the next segment of the week that was and one that's going to be a regular fixture, as I already said at the, at the top of the show, which is the rumour roundup for the week. Uh, look, let's just say that, you know, Spence, Ericsson, Bremer and Richarlison, they, they're regularly looping in as potential signings. And you've got to feel that at least two of those are going to come through. But there have been some fresh names thrown into the mix during the last seven days uh, with direct pertinence to what you just said. Uh, Milo and what we were talking about earlier with Harry Kane, uh, the uh, the rumours that won't go away about Lautaro Martinez do seem to you know they could, you could you could see it. Um, you know, rumours have been rife about making a potential move for Martinez. Fees of like around seventy five, seventy seven million quid have been quoted. Um, I, I, you know, it, it's again we're repeatedly told the player doesn't want to come to us uh, necessarily because he's happy at Inter, but Inter have to sell. Um, you know, I guess Inter have already sold. Uh, is it Skriner to uh, to PSG? Uh, so I don't you, think that's gone through yet. Oh well, great. Well then, it's it uh, all all bets are off right now, and it, it it it's fascinating, chaps. It does seem that Inter. Inter Milan hold a really big key mm. to the flow of some of the bigger moves that are going to happen in this summer window because they want to try and bring the Kaku back, right? We would still love to get Bastoni if we could. Yeah. Uh, they want Bremer. We're telling them you can't have Bremer if you don't let us have Bastoni, but nobody's got any agreements with anyone. And then you've got this Martin. I mean, it just <laughs> seems that there's a bit, a little bit of shithousery going on around the club in general to try and get them and squeeze them to make a move. And I wonder if Martinez is part of pressure or if it's a real real option the other thing with martin as you got to remember is that they're bringing in dabala so and uh, lukaku's going back there on loan so if they've got dabala and lukaku do they need martinez and where does he fit in with that yeah yeah i mean it's intriguing and i mean you people mm. say well why do you need martinez when you've got kane and someone well, I mean, we just talked about it <laughs> we just yeah. told you why you need you know everyone's going to get a lot of games this season because there are a lot of games to play if we're if we're you know if we're serious about mounting a title challenge, you just have to look at the, the other clubs that will be mounting a title challenge, yes. which is at the moment is City and Liverpool, yeah. and they don't have 
a couple of players up front that you know in those forward positions that are you know can can do a world class job. They have a a multitude of players that can yeah. you know can do that, and and that's what we should be aiming for. Yeah. I agree. And you know if you look at you know this discussion we had around midfield earlier on, where you know at least three of those players, it's, you know Skip has, has performed well this season, but is a little bit you know less experienced. At least three of those players, you could swap you could swap them in and out with no discernible yeah. dropping quality, and that yeah. hasn't been that hasn't been the case with our front line. Correct. Um, and Martinez, right. whilst not maybe not quite at Kane's level. He's got the potential to develop into a very, very fine striker and is already, you know, really, really good. And you look at that, you know, the October fixture list and you know that you can't play the same team all the way through that. You're going to need to rotate. Um, so we're going to need someone of that quality. I mean, the other name that's coming up a lot is um, Gabriel Jesus. And I think it's between us and Arsenal for him. The money for Jesus is a little less. And, you know, he's got... I don't think he's as good as Martinez, but he can you know, he can play he can play across the front three positions and and is used to the Premier League. Mm. He had a good season as well last season, didn't he? His, he had he scored a fair, fair few yep. goals yeah. and you know he was playing off that right right side quite a lot. Um, but yeah, he's very dynamic. Yeah. Uh, he certainly uh, gets his fair share of goals. I mean, he misses a lot as well. That has to be said. But he's he's constantly in and about. He looks like he could. He looks like he's an energizer uh, rabbit. You know, he, like he runs and runs and runs and runs. Super supreme fitness. Uh, and as you said, Milo, he's, he's he's Premiership tested ten times over. And actually, he's another winner that would come into the club if indeed we made mm. that move. I wonder if wages would be the big difference versus the fact that Conte has worked um, with Martinez before. I wonder if that could be a difference. Who knows? And and also, I wonder if Man City would sell to us. I don't know if they would. So, well, they, they they've signed a load of forwards. They want to clear out him and Sterling. Sterling looks like he's off to Chelsea. And I yeah. think that my understanding is that Jesus is on a lot less money than Sterling. But uh, you know, who knows? Who knows? Interesting. I'm going to cut in here and say that um, just as we're going through the list, I'm going to say that, that the Athletic have reported we're keeping an eye on Rafina at Leeds. Uh, as well as an alternative to to Richarlison, I I I have to reiterate. I I, I think Richarlison would be an excellent move. I know there's uh, so there are some people in the fan base who feel that he's a bit of a flopper and doesn't put it in. I completely disagree. I think that he would be a player that would absolutely soar under Conte, and I think again he fits several different roles um Rafina I have to be honest I've watched him sporadically with Leeds like everybody else but I haven't studied his career like anybody else and uh, like everybody else and whilst I do like him and any player that's linked to Barcelona you know you look at and and so on and so forth I've got to tell you between the two I would I would rather Richarlison am I off base there chaps I think it just comes down to money I think Richarlison you know you're looking at 50 million north Rafinha is significantly less Age wise, what's the difference? Rafinha is Rafinha younger. They're both twenty. They're both twenty five. Oh, okay. Um, I think Richarlison is better, but mm. um, you know, the fifty million. Well, if it's north of that, uh, yeah, fifty million would be my ceiling. I think probably for Richarlison, I wouldn't pay more than mm. that. Um, but, I agree with um, that. You know, Richarlison is a is a pressing monster. I don't I don't understand you. Know, he might like a dive, but um, but he's a, a bastard and a really hard worker. Mm. Yeah. And he's got some techers as well. I mean, genuine yeah, yeah, techers. Yeah, yeah. And again, yeah. you know, if you look at kind of swapping players in and out, you know, if, yeah. you, if you started him in a game and then brought Sun on with 20 minutes to go after Richarlison's been charging at you for 70 minutes, uh, you know, it's going to um, you know, really give you options. And, you know, particularly if you chuck Ericsson into the mix there as well, you, you've got, you know, you've got some nice 
options there. Yeah. Richardson can play right the way across the front line again. Um, mm. wh- one of the things that I've been thinking about, you know, with Ericsson potentially, I, I quite like the idea of you've got Decky on on the left hand side, but you might want to flip that sometimes and maybe have a, you know a, a passer on the other side and then um, someone with pace um, on the left and, and move it around. And Ericsson gives you options there. Um, and mm-hmm. you know you, you could tailor it. You know, with that with that as a front line, you can tailor it based on uh, on the opponent and and what's happening. Or you could change things in game. You know, and particularly with five subs, it gives you lots of options to to tinker and and um, you know, pick the lock. Which is, I think, that this is going to be the big challenge we're going to find this season. I think is that as we get better, teams are going to more teams are going to sit back against us, and we need to find a way through that. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we've had that to a lesser degree this season already. I think we we we, we suffered through a lot of that, and I think that uh, you know it's just going to be more of the same potentially. But what? Let me ask you this: Martinez, Anna Richarlison, or Rafina in the same window? Is that possible? Do you, could you see us signing both or two of three? Is that a possibility, or is it going to be a Martinez or a Richarlison? Which is it going to? Which way do you think on, we're going it depends to depends on outgoings, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. if you look, you know, so far we've brought in three players for twenty-five million, which is outrageous business. I mean, it's outrageous. <laughs> um, you know, if you add Ericsson into that, you've got four for twenty-five million, which is just. Um, you know, if you add, if it's Spence that we sign, then you've got five players for forty-five million pounds. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. you've covered all of our priority positions apart from the centre backs and the forward line. So from the 150 million that the club put in, you've got 105 million left for um, four positions with Bergwin certain to leave. Um, yeah. And then, you know, Lacelso off, you know, hopefully, Don you Bele know, so, off, yeah, and Bele and, and others yeah. as well. But, you know, I think, but I think if you're looking at both of them, you probably need to start shifting, you know, Winks, Lacelso, yes, yeah. you're freeing up some yeah, of those yeah. positions before before that's viable. Yeah, but you do make an excellent point, and it is one to remember. It's very interesting when you break it down with numbers like that, because you know you would be if Spence came in, you'd be at what a hundred, let's say a hundred million, give or take twenty million, mm-hmm. which is how I roll anyway. I don't know about anybody else. I just kind of give or take twenty million quid in my life yeah um but uh yeah you're right i mean if you if you shift four of those players you're back above your 150 and so that suddenly does give you the the capital to be able to make to sign two great forwards and still and still um a, a central defender so it's all possible so my understanding also on the on the basuma deal as well is again that the payments are spread off you know across the life of the contract so um it's a four-year contract Incredible. he signed wasn't it so mm. um you know actually in terms of this summer's budget, it's taken you know very little out of it. Incredible. Okay, I'm gonna I'll roll through quickly with this ex- next rumor very quickly. Uh, Evan and Dicker, uh, who is the um, French under 21 centre back at Eintracht Frankfurt, um, is uh, you know he's being reported right now um, as uh, a player that we're in pole position to sign. Uh, could certainly be a very obtainable option for the left centre back role. I I freely admit to you all, I, I know little about Indica as a player. I haven't seen him. He's good. He's had a good season at Eintracht Frankfurt. You know, he played against in the final against Rangers of the um, uh, what, what, what used to be the uh, UEFA Cup, the uh, Europa League, um, and was in the second leg of the semi against West Ham. He's aggressive. He's good carrying the ball out. Can cut also cover left back. Um, yeah. He's another one with one year left on his contract. So they're talking about fees of around twenty million. Which again, when we start talking about that kind of money juggling, if you compare that to what we were talking about for Bastoni. Um, or you know some of the other players with you know uh, uh, Pau Torres or others you know significantly less than we're talking about there, which again maybe gives us a bit more money to you know to play to another position you know another position yep. or 
you know someone to uh, play at central centre back to cover uh, Dyer. Marseille have been tracking tracking him, um, and were thought to be favourites, but um, it looks like we're in pole position now. Uh, one other thing I'd say, actually, he, he's a really, really strong defender. And with Perisic at le- left centre-back, he's not going to be getting a lot of support. So we probably, if we think about the balance of the side, and you know, this will go back to your Pau Torres prejudice, Steph. Um, so, you know, someone who's not an out-and-out defender or someone who's not quite as aggressive, with, with Perisic in front of them, could be a bit of a risk. I'm not saying he's a left centre-back equivalent of Romero, but he's he is quite aggressive. He does go in and again similar, you know, kind of quite happy run, you know, getting up field with the ball carrying the build up, ball up field. Not not a fantastic passer, but yeah, I I I like him. I think he's a good player. Good. And uh, on the outgoings, uh, Departures Lounge this week, Kion Etete uh, is meant to be Portsmouth's top target uh, in this window and a fee of uh, £300,000 is being rumoured. But presumably we'd also want to sell on clause. So so who knows? And look, I think what we can safely say is that uh, with Fabio Paratici at the wheel and the way he operates and also with us being in the Champions League and we're, we're, you know, these rumours, there's going to be a lot more. This is going to be a lively section of the show each week and could indeed take up a whole show itself. And it also underscores how important it was to make Champions League. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of kind of breaking ones. So Twitter was um, all a tiz this evening um, over news that Ericsson might be close. And there's been quite yeah, a lot yeah. of chat. There's been quite a lot of chatter about the Bergwin move. You know, much uh, trailed move to Ajax might be getting close. Well, I have to say that when I read that, Harry say before he'd spoken to Hugo Lloris about the, the the World Cup that he'd been on the phone with Christian. I, I don't know. I mean, we read into things as we want, right? So I mean, I, I I think what we're about to see this week, you know, we've all seen that Eric Dyer has been doing a tour of um, the world. <laughs> the great Eric Dyer, fucking uh, the great Eric Dyer. <laughs> Took Dirty to Monaco. He went to <laughs> hang out with Yang Vertonghen. Um, who did he take to? I can't remember which sporting event it was in the states. He took a, he took a, a couple of our players over to the states yeah. with him for a, for a yeah. holiday over there as well. I think within the next week on on Eric's um, Instagram feed, you'll see him and Christian. Um, I don't know doing know, trekking in rural Denmark or something. I don't know what they'll be yeah. doing, mountain biking <laughs> yeah. or something. And yeah. and and you know, Agent Eric's got to be on the case. That's that's what I'm saying. It's just. I mean, this is just. We're here. We're going to go for it for another minute or so. Uh, just, I mean, it, you know, it, it, Eric Dyer is just such an institution at our football club at this point, and he is such—he's just such a centerpiece of all that is good. Can I just ask you both a question? Given the yeah. choice since the close season, mm. would you rather had the Jew? Oh, I know the answer. That Eric Dyer has had, or Harry Kane has had. Oh come on! I mean, is it even a competition? I mean, why? Why is this a question? What sane person would say Harry Dyer had a back garden kick around with uh, with Dembele, didn't he? It was brilliant. Yeah. Eric Dyer just enjoys life, and he's also a thoroughly decent bloke by 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 every by every count and all examples that we see. He's helped lead our club uh, through some of the worst times we've had in recent history. The turmoil. Just, I mean, is it? I don't. I, I'm I'm actually 
tripping over my words once again to to express my my admiration for Eric Dyer. And, and this is catching up with mates. What, what you'll probably find <laughs> that after he's done all this, he's going to do a, sol- a solo bicycle um, trek of the yeah. Spice Trail or something. You know, yeah. it's like- <laughs> exactly. exactly. While stopping back quickly to tend to his organic vegetable garden to make sure that the bushels of food that he's giving away to people are coming through. Go to the South Pole via Huskies, you know, or something. Yeah. You know. <laughs> it's sensational. And actually, back to the Harry Kane interview, which all jokes aside, I'm now going back to it for the third time for an item in our pod. So he must have said something. Uh, he was asked uh, who his best mates at the club were, Matthew Doherty and Eric Dyer. <laughs> Eric Dyer, a friend to us all. I mean, I just okay. Let's let, that's the, the we let's just end this the the week that was with Eric Dyer. We'll bring you up to speed with transfer with what Eric Dyer's been doing next week. <laughs> we should have a special spot the week that was Dyer. <laughs> I think we're going to have to do that. What a legend! What a legend, Eric. Come on to our sh- come to our show. We want it. We want to chat. We he's want to he's living his best life, isn't he? He yeah. is. He's living his best life, and I'm living vicariously through it. And 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 again, what a what a gentleman uh, he, he appears to be. Um, and let's move to uh, another fine gentleman at our club, and actually probably another hugely underrated player. I'll say that again with a slightly lower octave. Another hugely underrated player. And now again with a higher higher octave. <laughs> another hugely yeah. <laughs> i like that one best hugely uh underrated player uh, let's I see which one milo puts in the edit <laughs> <laughs> oh dear pierre-emile hoyer um do, you know i think when we were discussing uh which player to profile um in this episode we, we all settled on him very very quickly because uh he is one of the most underrated players at the club uh you know i'm just going to give you a couple of stats to bring us through the beginning here which i freely uh, admit uh, have been taken <laughs> from the athletic two seasons at tottenham hotspur i've seen him play 7,533 minutes. Only Hugo Lloris has played more with 7,560. And with the greatest respects to Hugo, there's a little less cardiovascular action involved in his minutes. Um, You know, across Hoybier's two seasons with the club, there have only been two league games that he hasn't started. And only one of those, which was our 2-0 defeat to Wolves earlier this season, uh, was because he was dropped. The other time he didn't start was against Liverpool, uh, 2-2 draw, and even the mighty Pierre's engine uh, just couldn't keep up. Yeah, COVID, didn't he? Yes, uh, quite, yeah, mm. which you know, legally at the time as well would have rendered him unable to play too. But I think we all agreed at the time he was also just running on, on empty. Uh, look, we're, we're going to get into some more uh, statistics later with Pierre, but I think that we've broken this... Um, analysis of the player uh, into three sections we're each going to take a section um i know uh, milo will cover the early uh, the early years uh, in germany ram will be on the south coast and uh, i've got the i've got the easy draw actually uh, with talking about his tottenham career so uh, so my you just done it haven't you You've just done it no no there's plenty more to say about him don't you worry um that was just by way of i thought i thought it was show. gonna be some kind of i thought it's gonna be some kind of uh, difficult to follow time jump sequence now where we <laughs> no 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 that's why i brought us all back into sequence you see no no, no 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 we're all good we're all good but we we should we should start as near to the beginning as we can i mean we're not going to tell you you know about his his breakfast when he was a child and everything but milo is going to tell you about his career at bayern munich and uh and, in, and german loans in general 
So away we go. I, I can start a little earlier than that. As a youth player, oh, he represented uh, BK Skold uh, and FC Copenhagen before joining Bromby at the age of 14. In 2011, Hoybier won Danish Under-17 Player of the Year Award, which was a prize previously won by Christian Eriksen and Nicholas Bentner. <laughs> he was signed by Bayern Munich <laughs> in July 2012 and made his debut for them later that season against FC Nuremberg at the age of 17, becoming the youngest ever Bayern first-team player in the Bundesliga. He was splitting his time between the first team and the reserves in the 2013-14 season, and in May 2014, Pep Guardiola named Hoybier in the starting lineup uh, for the DFB Pokal, as we said the other week, the German Cup final against Jurgen Klopp's Borussia Dortmund, which Bayern won 2-0 in extra time. He finished the 2014 season with nine appearances in the first team uh, and 14 appearances for the reserves with four goals for the reserves. In his younger days, Hoybier was quite a versatile footballer who played all of the midfield positions for Bayern. So, you know, defensive midfield, attacking midfield, left midfield, right midfield, you know, played them all. Guardiola took a shine to Hoybier and was particularly impressed by his reading of the game and anticipation uh, and, you know, reading a tackle. Uh, and he planned to develop Hoybier into a Sergio Busquets-style uh, defensive midfielder. Um, who Guardiola had obviously managed at Barcelona. The following season, he made, his fir- uh, he made his first appearances in the Champions League and eight appearances in Bayern's first team before being loaned out to um, FC Augsburg, uh, who he helped uh, to Europa League qualification, providing an assist for the winning goal uh, against his parent club in the closing stages of the campaign. He scored two goals in 16, 16 appearances for Augsburg. In 15-16, he was loaned out to Schalke, uh, playing 30 times in all competitions, including the Europa League, uh, uh, with two goals scored in the Bundesliga. Pep Guardiola's departure from Bayern Munich coincided with Hoybier's decision to leave in the summer of 2016. And whilst his time at Bayern was mixed and he struggled to establish himself to fulfil his early promise, he did learn under one of the best managers in the modern game and win two Bundesliga titles and uh, the DFB Pokal in uh, 2013-14. I mean, we should probably point out, uh, which I neglected to say in the intro, um, <clears throat> Pierre-Emile Hoybier is Danish and was born in Copenhagen, um, just to, to establish that as a, as a fact. And uh, yeah, no, thanks, Milo. And, and uh, uh, by the way, apologies, Pierre, to have you in the same sentence as Nicholas Bentner. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just wanted to make sure that we've established that Nicholas Bentner's <laughs> name is Nicholas Bentner. <laughs> and that it's a silent Bentner. <laughs> I, I, I like the fact that we establish <laughs> whenever anyone says Nicholas Bentner, <laughs> That they they have to add the silent bit, so I like that. <laughs> I have a dream. I have a dream that Do all Spurs supporters, whenever they mention Nicholas Bentner, will now forever say, "Oh, I remember that Bentner guy." People are like, "Oh yeah, I remember that Bentner. He was crap." Like, it's not quite Martin Luther King, is it? I have a dream that one day that everyone will say Nicholas Bentner. <laughs> Oh, okay. Anyway, sorry, Ram. We've sort of dis- uh, sidetracked as has been the the, the spirit of uh, this evening's pod. But uh, the South Coast is your is your domain with Pierre. And Thank Neil you. Hoybier signed for Bayern uh, from Bayern in July 2016 for a, a reported fee of just under 13 million on a five year deal. He quickly established himself as a regular starter in the first team under Mark Hughes, um, and he was only 20. When Hughes was replaced by Ralph Hassenhutel in 2018, he immediately recognised Hoybier's leadership qualities and named him as his captain at 22 years of age. 
Hoybier didn't win any trophies at Southampton, but did help them to get to the League Cup final in 2017, where he was an unused substitute in a 3-2 loss to Man U, despite playing every single tie previously. So it makes you wonder whether he would have made a difference if he had um, played in the final. He was in midfield for the humiliating 9-0 loss to Leicester in October 2019. He called it the most embarrassing moment of his career. Um, But as captain, he stepped up and he apologised to the fans plus issuing a war cry and challenging himself and the other players to move forward and, quote, never show our faces like that again. It was obvious from his performances and desire that he was destined for bigger things. He was stripped of the captaincy by Hassan Hutu after making his desire to not renew his contract um, known. Um, I should add, the manager said that they had come to a good agreement, so it wasn't with animosity, at least on, on the outside. And eventually signed for Spurs after 134 appearances for Southampton, scoring four goals. I mean, was he a player that you noticed at Southampton? I will have to ask you that. I think, uh, I mean, he was, I guess he went there to replace Victor Wanyama, right? That was as I understand it. Yeah. Um, but did you, I mean, when, when they played us, did you notice him? per se so this is the thing i i was when i was doing my research for this i didn't realize he'd been at southampton for you know just between four and five years uh which i i had no idea i thought he'd only been there for a couple of seasons but i also didn't realize how young he was and and still is <laughs> um but i did notice him uh and and I, you know when we when we go on to talk a bit more about him at spurs it's one thing I, I, you, you always knew he was in the game, yeah. and you always do know that Hoybier is in the game, whether he's having a good or a bad game. He's yeah. there, and and I really noticed that at Southampton. Yeah, it's interesting. He was a thorough pest. I remember in the last couple of mm. seasons, we were looking at him as being sort of a space invading pest. Um, yeah. which uh, you know uh, brings us on to uh, August eleventh, twenty twenty, which is when uh, Jose Mourinho signed him for a reported initial fee of fifteen million quid plus add-ons. Uh, and look, uh, I have to say, you know, this uh, has to stand as one of Jose Mourinho's finest moves for us. He had identified this player for some time. He absolutely demanded demanded him, and he got him. And for that, and for that fee, I mean, that's you know, that's outstanding work, and we should not cheat Jose of his. Uh, of his vision, uh, you know, in, in bringing him to the club. Um, Pierre made his debut on September 13th, uh, a 1-0 home defeat to Everton. Uh, yet by November, he was the Premier League's player of the month. So, you know, there was obviously a great synergy between manager and player and player and club. He was an ever-present in that first season. He played every minute of those 38 matches. Uh, he featured in 54 of our 58 matches in all competitions. Um, he was uh, second only behind Manchester City's Rodrigo in terms of completed passes in the Premiership. 2,765 completed passes to 2,785. There's not much in it. And, you know, look, the guy then went to the Euros in 2020 and remember he was not picked for the 2018 world cup uh squad uh so major tournament but he plays every minute again and he has to overcome the emotional uh turmoil of seeing Christian Eriksen's cardiac arrest in that first group game goes to a semi-final um you know I mean this this guy is is, is just ridiculous in terms of, of in terms of his engine more statistics for you yeah, add 19 Danish appearances in that 2021 season to that total of 53 appearances. Yeah, this season, 36 Premier League games. That's 48 appearances and three goals in total. You add six Danish appearances to that. 
his total minutes of football in the last two seasons outside internationals. I think we just, I think we just gave the figure. I'm going to give it here. I've written it down as three thousand nine hundred eighty-six. I'm probably contradicting the figure I gave before. Um, sources and minutes being what they are. What you can say is that this man has played an an absurd amount of football. Absurd, and and I think quite honestly, very underrated. In terms of his role with us, I think that we uh, assumed, and Ram, you and I were just talking about him being a space invader and a pest. Um, but Milo, I know you and I have discussed this season in particular that he's also been enjoying more advanced roles and he's been mm. played in more advanced roles. And I mean, this guy can play, uh, he plays as a two in the 3-4-3. Three, three. Uh, he can also play in a three-man midfield with a 4-3-3. Three, three. I mean, he's, he's very adaptable. He's very comfortable. Uh, it's very tough to imagine a central midfield without him and Rodrigo Bentancur right now. Yet those options are going to be fully alive with Oliver Skip being fit and with Eve Basuma coming in. Um, I think a lot of people feel that he's the one who's going to give way. I, 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 I don't think we can say that at all. I think he seems to me, when you look at those statistics, he's one of the most important players in the club. And just one quote I wanted to give you. It's a fairly long quote, so bear with me, folks. But it tells you everything about this man uh, who is, you know, he's diaresque in, in a sense of, uh, of how he approaches the game, uh, albeit maybe a little, a little more stern, I would say. But his quote on reflecting on the season just gone by. He said, it's not a secret that the start of the season was very up and down, probably too many downs. And the difference was that the performances are very inconsistent, which created frustration inside and outside the building. You understand that, of course, but the way we managed, especially from November when the gaffer came in, to create a consistent behaviour and consistent performances overall was good. There are a few blips where we shouldn't have lost or drawn a game, but okay. And I'll say that in Danish, but okay. We showed that we could p- compete with everyone. That's how the Danish would say it. Which is what I take from this season. The key now is to do it every single week. I think we are getting there and I think everyone can be proud of themselves. We were close to the top three in terms of points, which is also a good step forward. The top four was the target and we got there. So you can say that we took something positive from the season. Now, remember our reaction to the end of the season where we went absolutely potty, all of us, and rode and surfed the wave of, of, of joy, right? You can say that we took something positive from the season. This man is not satisfied. I, I don't think I don't think you can deny him a place in the first eleven with an attitude like that as long as his performances keep up and 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 you know he is probably the biggest bargain we've had in many years right so mm. that's his time at Spurs and I don't see it going anywhere uh, other than up and up and up I mean he's he's around so guys let's throw it open I mean you know that, that's just greatest strengths versus weaknesses of Pierre Emil Hoybier just picking up briefly on. So not answering your question and answering something else you were saying earlier on. Um, yeah, you go for it, yeah. <laughs> You know, in terms of him, him going, or first 11, him going nowhere, I think we've got to, this coming season, I think we've got to get past thinking about a first 11. I think we probably need to be thinking about, you know, a first 16 or a first uh, 22 point. even. Yes. Um, because fair there's point. no way we can get through this and challenge for anything if we're relying on 11 players and then we've got an A and B team. And I think... It, I mean, one of the interesting things that Basuma brings to us is that he's not going to the World Cup. You'd probably assume at this stage that Skip's not going to be going to the World Cup. So we're going to have a handful of players who can have two two months at the training ground with Conte. Um, you know, presumably they'll probably get a bit of time off at the beginning, but they'll be training. And I think those are the players that we're going to see, you know, over that Christmas and New Year period. Although there aren't so many games there, and you know, it's, it's going to be quite interesting how this how this 
plays out. Well, to add context to what you're saying, because it's very important and it is a great point, but I, I think what you're essentially saying is that whilst other players might get uh, you know, a little more, uh, whilst Pierre might get a little less game time this year, it's not because he's being replaced. This is not replacement. No, 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 no. This is rotation yeah. for health. And it goes back into what we were talking yeah. about earlier. So it's a, it's an excellent point. You make a good point. And I think, you know, for Hoybier, particularly considering how many minutes, how many minutes he's played, I think that's really important. I think that, yes. um, for most players, the number of minutes they get is probably uh, across their career is probably finite. And uh, there's only so much life in the legs. And, you know, you, just, you know, you see players who break through at 17 and then kind of burn out early and things like this. I know that, you know, this doesn't happen all the time. And obviously sports science is getting a lot better and prolonging careers and, and all the rest of it. But you can't carry on playing the number of minutes he's played with the intensity he plays and then not take its toll. So hopefully having four good options in central midfield means that actually we can rotate him and look after him properly. Yes. And, and get the best out of him because there were stages this season where he certainly looked bit leggy and some of that might have been the after effects of covid some of it was undoubtedly that we've just run him into the ground yeah and i think that if we're going to talk about strengths and weaknesses i'll start with maybe his weak you know one of his weaknesses which is i think he he does unless he breaks down he won't quit and I don't. I actually think that's a, that's a weakness yeah, no, because I think he doesn't know when to point. quit. You know, yeah, <laughs> he, yeah. he'll keep going and going and going. And it showed, and it did show this season that he was a bit. You know, he was a bit late. Well, he was exhausted. Yeah, it's only a flesh wound kind of territory. Yeah, it's only yeah, a flesh yeah. wound. Yeah, yeah. I but yeah. but then, but I mean, his strengths far far outweigh you mm. know that weakness in terms of his adaptability. Um, his again, I, um, for someone so young that the desire and the leadership qualities that he already possesses um you know he's not he's 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 still not entering his prime you know i think it was he 25 or 26 he's still got you know a couple of seasons before he actually enters his prime um and he he's he's able he's able to do a defensive job which he does very well for us but he can pick out a pass he can um you know he's not required as much maybe to do that for us as he as he does for denmark for example but um but he 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 can play across that midfield if if needs be, and he can you know mm. as as Milo said in his 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 Bayern days, he he played in various positions, not just in midfield. He enjoys a cheeky dink, doesn't he? Yeah, he likes a cheeky dink over the top or just around the corner if he yeah. can get away with it. A little bit of a loft and a and a He's, whiff on it. Yeah, he played at full as a fullback for Southampton. Yeah. Mm. So he did, you know, yeah, yeah. maybe we don't need Spence after all. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, no, he is a bit of a Swiss Army knife of players for sure. He can mm. do pretty much, uh, 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 albeit I would say that uh, he couldn't fill in as an emergency forward. I would say that. But. I've, I've got to be honest, though, Steph. If I wanted a player to help me get a stone out of a, a horse's hoof, it would be Dyer, not Hoybier. But maybe Hoybier would be second choice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they both would have their ways of approaching it, but I back them both to get the job done. Yeah. Wouldn't they? That's the thing. I, I, know, I think in terms of weaknesses, in terms of weaknesses. I think his passing sometimes, so yeah, sometimes his passing isn't great. He's he's got a nice range, but maybe his quick, like close passing can be a little bit off. Um, but the it's one of the ones where if you look at his stats, actually they're pretty good. I think it's an eye test thing rather than than the stats, and maybe it's the choice of passing rather than. Um, but do do you think he's? I I feel he's not an instinctual passer maybe with those quick 
passes it's, it doesn't come as instinctual to him maybe as someone like like a you know like like you said like Pep wanted to turn him into a kind of you know uh, so is it Sergio Busquets mm. type player but he, he wasn't that as instinctual with the passing as, as say Busquets is but he is very instinctual with the breaking up of mm. play and and being in the right place at the right time I think we've also got to recognize though that for most of his time with us he's been playing alongside you know very very young Skip or Winks or Undumbele mm. or Lacelso, none of which have really imposed themselves on the team and um you know maybe there's a bit of a safety first mm. thing there and if you look at or you consider kind of Conte's automations and you know what they'll be working on in pre-season and particularly with two new fullbacks in the side wingbacks in the side where he's got a, a you know a release ball where he knows the run they're going to be making earlier maybe we're going to see a situation where all of our central midfielders don't even have to think about it they pick up the ball and they ping the pass because they know the run that's going to be made before it's even started and he's never had that in his Spurs career yeah Green and I that. think the beauty of our, our midfield now, um, at, at least with what we consider to be the the, the main four um, that would be rotating, you know, even though we have more midfielders, is that we can mix and match any two of those four and have a very solid but also dynamic midfield. Yeah. I'd say Skip is probably very much more suited to the you know that that um, defensive midfield um, position, whereas the other three can can play in various positions but there's plenty of, you know we've, we've touched on it already there's plenty of games to go around and there's plenty of formations you know within those two that you know we can we can sort of mix and match between those between those four i think there's a four there's a lot of similarities between the four of them they've they've all got slight um strengths and weaknesses in different areas but i think they're they all profile mm. quite similarly and maybe as a four, there isn't quite enough variety there. But again, Steph, as you were saying with Hoybier, we saw him, you know, whilst him and Benton Kerr were playing in, you know, kind of a double pivot towards the end of the mm-hmm. season, it was Hoybier who tended to be playing slightly in front. Um, and, you know, on occasions playing, you know, particularly against the weaker sides, you know, against Norwich or something like that, a bit more like you, um, you see him playing for, you saw him playing at the Euros last summer where he was, yeah. you know, after yeah. Ericsson was out of the side, mm. he was the one who was was creating. I think I think he got the most assists of anyone in the yeah. tournament, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. And I think what's interesting with him is, you know, and I mean, he is one of those players who, and we're so visual as football supporters, um, uh, you know, we, we, we definitely, we love a player with, with who, who moves with grace, right? I mean, that's why, you know, the Hoddles, the Delis, the Berbers, you know, in their prime will always be, you know... <laughs> I, I thank you very not, much. Not the not the Bentners. No. <laughs> <laughs> not the Bentners. Sorry, I just um, like to say that I got I got a um, <laughs> um I was told that I was waking up my son from saying his name. So from <laughs> so <laughs> so from now um, on. Yeah, yeah. This week, his, can't his name is it. not going to pass my lips. Well, you can't because now you've no, you can't say because if you're not going to say his name properly, you shouldn't say it at all. So yes, <laughs> I, I agree with that. And you two are going to have to say it really loud to wake my son up. So I think you're okay, okay. but yeah, yeah. well, don't challenge me. It could happen. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he is. But but going back to the, the you know uh, Grayson. Uh, 
Pierre doesn't move with great grace. He's not like what you would call a smooth runner. And he's not like got that body shape and body language everyone talks about. So I think he does get a little disrespected by the fans in that regard. Maybe not noticed for the work he does. But I'll tell you something. Uh, I picked this quote out, uh, again, from The Athletic, uh, who quoted Antonio Conte after the 5-1 Newcastle thumping, which I believe uh, uh, we were at, Rem. Um the quote, you know, he was being asked about, you know, everyone that day. He was being asked about uh, Kulisewski, Doherty. I mean, there's all you know, a raft of players he's been asked about. And he said, also, Pierre, no one asked me about him. But in every game, he is doing a fantastic job with the ball, without the ball, and is strong physically. Um, and, you know, you hear these stories of him being the guy who gives everyone their bibs at training, and then he sticks around at the end to talk tactics or whatever with the coaches, and, you know, being the willing student. And then you've got the Viking that he embraces. He embraces the Viking spirit. I mean, we all remember that picture he put up on Instagram um, uh, of, of, like, you know, the cuts and ice and bruises and like battle scars mm. really it was like an outtake from the robert eggers film that just came out <laughs> it was the villa game wasn't it uh, north man yeah yeah, yeah where he got game. absolutely yeah where he got absolutely battered in that game yeah so i, I you know he's underrated by our supporters yeah. do we not agree absolutely yeah absolutely and i think you know i mean i i rate him and in doing research for this i didn't realize that he's 25 26 yeah. and that he was you know he was named captain at a, at a premier league club at the age of 20 you know and and and, he, and he's won a couple of bundesligas as well you know he's the, the the signs are there that this this player is has got something quite special about him and i don't think we we are, are appreciating yeah. him as much as maybe we should be i think you know i mean you mentioned it earlier on um dembele i think we've got a bit of a hang-up about you know, Ericsson and Dembele and those type of players and you know, hear a lot we never yeah, we never replaced Ericsson we never yeah. did this we never did that and within you know you can see this with you know the signing we've just made if there was a massive gap for a creative midfielder in in central you know in central midfield we wouldn't have been signing Basuma mm. you know so the manager obviously doesn't see it like that we know that the creativity is going to come from the flanks so you know he wants a solid base from you know what's effectively going to be a front five for for you know, nine out of ten games this season. Um, uh, you know, to to allow them to get forwards, and you know, particularly if you've got you know Romero and Davis and you know whoever else we bring in going past them as well, then you need that solid base. So yeah. you know, he might not be he yeah. might not be glamorous. He might not be the silkiest player. He might not be the easiest on the eye when 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 he's on the ball. But he's playing an absolutely you know pivotal role. And you know, he's also one that's quite comfortable dropping back into the back three when someone else goes forward. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, you know, we're talking He's about him very you know, responsible. Kind of- yeah, you, know, you talk about him kind of filling Ericsson's gap when you know after he had his heart attack in the Euros, but he's also quite happy filling kind of Ben Davis's gap when Ben Davis goes careering up the yeah. field you know this is this is what you want in the team yeah he's incredibly yeah. responsible and i think two more questions to to bring us to a close with with him tonight i'm going to ask you both is he is pierre an old school player in a modern game i mean is he sort of representative of what you think of the you know the blood and thunder of the 70s and early 80s i think some of his atti- you know some of his attitudes towards the game could be considered maybe um slightly old school you know and he was a, he was a Mourinho signing and Mourinho you know, loves those um, blood and thunder up and at him. You know, I, I know we've discussed that previously in the pod, but I th- I feel like he's still a very much a modern player, mm. especially with how versatile he is and um, uh, and his reading of the game. Um, but I think in terms of like leadership and and desire and things like that, I think fairly or unfairly, I think a lot of modern players in the game get kind of labelled as pampered. 
you know, or, or um, uh, which, you know, you hear that a lot. Uh, and especially with um, uh, you know, sort of older school players and managers um, say that. But well, there's no doubt I that Nicholas can... Bentner was one of the most pampered Premiership <laughs> players of the modern era. So I think that was yeah, you know, that's a good point. But I think I think no, I don't think anyone could ever accuse um, whether it's fair or unfair to accuse other players of being pampered. I don't think you could ever ever accuse Hoybier of being a pampered player. Um, so maybe that's considered old school. I don't know, but I think in terms of the way he plays and uh, in, in in most aspects, he's very much a modern player. Do you know I think he is? I think he's a manager's player. Managers yeah, like well, that's yeah, yeah, Managers yeah. like players like this. They give him a job. Yeah. They go out and he does it. He follows instructions and he gives it his all. He never leaves yeah. any. You know, he leaves it all out on the pitch, doesn't he? No, oh, I mean Mourinho, Mason, Nuno, Conte. I mean that's at Spurs alone. They all they've all loved him. Um, yeah, I mean to me he reminds me in attitude uh, very much of a sort of a Graham Souness type. Mm. He's got he's got that kind yeah. of, of of steel it's not and rigor about him. What's that? He's not as much of an arsehole, is he? No, no, it would uh, it, apparently not. No, I, I, I mean, would agree with that. You wouldn't barge him at the bar, would you? I would not barge him at the bar <laughs> and stand up to him like the big manly man that I that I am. <laughs> uh, note the hint of sarcasm with that last bit. Yeah, he. But no, he's he's got. So I think he's definitely uh, that. I mean, for me personally, he he could very much become a bit of a Steve Perryman for us. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what I see him as a really kind of, you know, just that, that engine uh, that's so consistent and so reliable. And it does lead me actually um, uh, quite nicely to the final question. Is Pierre-Emile Hoybier for you a future Spurs skipper? Yes, I think so. I think, I think he can be, I think it will be a decision that, you know, there's a, there's a small handful of players that are vying for that position. I think it'll be a decision ultimately between him and Dyer. I think I think maybe uh, the, the the obvious choice would be Kane after Larice, but um, but I th- I personally think it would be between him and Dyer, and I think you know he's got a couple of years on Dyer, yeah. um, so I can I can I can definitely see him as captain. Or it's Daddy Davis, isn't it? Is should be captain, a <laughs> <Our> European <laughs> captain. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, seriously. I mean, yeah, he, he's a contender, isn't he? And um, mm. yeah, whilst you know, he, you know, twenty-five, he's one of the senior players in the squad. Um, you know, mm. very reliable. You know, very vocal on the pitch. Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, I'd, I'd, um, I'd prefer Dyer or, or Hoybier, but um, you know, captain choices are marketing as much as influence, aren't they? And and Kane, uh, particularly if we're trying to get him to sign a new deal. Um, He's probably, he's probably going to get it, isn't he? But um, I'm sure he'll captain us in, in, in games um, probably this season. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, I think in closing, if he does indeed fulfil my prediction for him of being a somewhat, you know, Perryman-esque fixture for us with regards to longevity uh, as a Tottenham Hotspur player, I think it's inevitable that he will end up being our skipper at some point. Um, so, well, I think that's, a, I mean, you know, I think that's a nice little roundup of a player that uh, doesn't get the attention he deserves and, and doesn't get the respect he deserves uh, probably. And I've been guilty of not giving him that respect myself at times where, you know, I, I, I know there have been times in the last two seasons where I've said, well, you know, when we get someone who's more technically proficient and so on and so forth, which just goes to show why I am a blabbermouth at the end of a microphone and not um, a manager or a coach because... You're understanding yourself, Steph, because you're a blabbermouth away from a microphone as well. <laughs> yes indeed but whatever uh, whatever i am at least i'm not nicholas bentner <laughs> so uh <laughs> that much has been said all right chaps let's wrap it up and uh and, and say uh that was a lot of fun thank you very much and i'm glad Just that once again we can introduce our listeners 
to Nicholas Bentner, <laughs> real name. Um, and, and just please remember that. And we will be spelling that out for you in the notes um, that will accompany this pod. Uh, so thanks very much, lads. We'll be back Jeez. next week and throughout the summer with a weekly dose of Spurs related chat and uh, naming uh, players appropriately as we just have with Nicholas Bentner. <laughs> Episodes might come out on different days over the summer or coming clusters as we take advantage of not having to fit episodes around matches. Uh, so subscribe to the Games About Glory on your favourite pod platform to make sure that you don't miss any of the action. And while you are there, leave us a five-star review or we will send you a 10-minute loop of us saying Nicholas Bentner's name over and over again. As always, thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week. <laughs>